Have you had your soup today? And the cold, crisp taste of Coke is so satisfying, it keeps me from eating something else that might really add those pounds. Wherever you are, welcome to the episode of She Legends. We are here today to put the her in extraordinary. Extraordinary. Uh-huh. Ooh, I said a word I didn't mean to. Anyway, my name is Summer Yeager. I'm here with my beautiful co-host, Joy. And Joy, uh, what I'm going to talk about today is actually your fault. Oh, okay. Because... I never would have come across this in my normal life mm-hmm. if you weren't my friend. Oh. So anyway, yep, that's it. That's what I got. Well, I'm so excited to hear what my impact has been. <laughs> it's really been something. On your life. It's really, honestly, couldn't quantify it. <laughs> um, I still do that thing. I think I've told you guys before where like if I've told my husband something I, in my head, also, like, categorize it as having told Joy. Right. (laughs) Or, like, if I tell Joy something, I'll categorize it as having told Eric. But it's, like, not... You guys aren't the same. Right. You guys don't share brains. It doesn't work that way. But in my head, I'm just like, I've talked to an important person about this. Why don't they both know? (laughs) I don't know. Eric and I should have a meeting. Yeah. We may have suggested that as well. (laughs) But... a weekly meeting this is what's going on with hi summer. what are you guys doing today <laughs> well i'm the best friend and she's the husband and we're just <laughs> catching each other up anyway yep that's it I'm yeah summer. i'm summer mm-hmm. that's me you're right you are yep um and uh i'm joy yep and Still. you're right about that and i'm here with my beautiful co-host summer who is you that's me who still yep mm-hmm uh, love it. Enjoying every moment of it. <laughs> we are very excited about the Fight, Laugh, Feast conference. Let's see. By the time we release this episode. I know. what. When will it be? We will be two weeks out. Three weeks out from the conference. I don't know. We're excited. I remember the website now. It's flfnetwork.com. <laughs> if you're on the fence. We'll be there. Jump off the fence. Um, leave us a voicemail at 470 Yeah, on to which, just make a choice is what I'm uh, saying. She learns are going to be there. Okay. Oh, I don't don't, go. don't go anymore. I'll be fine. I'll just catch it later. Uh, we are going to be doing a breakout session. We are. With Nancy Wilson. Mm-hmm. She is wonderful and lovely. I got to talk to her on the Cross Politics show years That's ago. Right. Mm-hmm. And have a sabbath dinner with their family and they are just lovely kind fun fun people Mm -hmm. they're really fun yeah uh so i'm looking forward to hanging out with her that's sort of the the i'm anticipating that to just be the general feeling of the conference and really anytime you hang out with yeah them um yeah there's definitely a vibe that people on the internet have where it's like these people are so awful and mean but yeah. the reality is the complete right. opposite of their Not just funny how that's how it is sometimes so kind and fun and i think we're just gonna have a great time so i just abide by the rule that if a if a presbyterian asks you to feast you don't say no <laughs> you just say yes and the food was good <laughs> let me tell you yeah so so when they were like fight laugh feast we were yes. Like, well, feast is in there, That's, so the answer is yes. We're always laughing. People <laughs> want to fight us about it. We're we've already been doing this. Like this is, we oh, fit right on man. in with these Presbyterians. <laughs> There's going to be other Baptists there. The whole Apologia Studio crew is going. Vody yeah. is speaking. He's mm-hmm. still a Baptist. So very excited about that. Yeah, it's going to be great. Uh, voicemail right four seven zero four six five zero four seven five. After last week, you all know. The order of the number, very important. Right. Most important. Thing. It's the most important part. Um, join us at patreon.com slash sheologians. We're going to be starting a new round soon. A new book. I guess. Why do I keep calling it a round? 
uh, we are going to speaking because we're preparing for the fight, the fighting and the laughing and the feasting. Mm-hmm. Because speaking of, we are going to be reading Toby Sumter's book, No Mere Mortals. Mm-hmm. Um, his talks on this subject are really good. They're on YouTube, so if you like want a flavor for what the book is, go listen to one of his talks. Nice. Um, and they're really really good. So anyway, that's that. Are you ready for a funky story? I'm so excited for yours. Okay. <clears throat> I have a feeling I saw the title of it mm-hmm. also. Yeah. Here Which we go. is why I'm excited. Right. But looking forward to it. So I'll shut up. Okay. Now let you do your thing. So I fell down a rabbit hole mm-hmm. on the internet mm-hmm. uh, when they started coming across this on Reddit twitter and tiktok mm-hmm. there is a whole community around this i find it really really interesting and i find it really interesting actually from a christian point of view which is how i will wrap it all up at the end once i tell you guys what this is about okay you, so you, get, you get a story plus application that's just welcome. the kind of service <laughs> we are committed <laughs> to here at sheologians what is new okay <laughs> uh so missing 411 i started seeing this yes I started seeing missing 411 everywhere mm-hmm. and they would often be accompanied by unexplained events and people who were really creeped out. And that made me curious. Mm-hmm. So just so you know, I know just enough about this to be interested, to be interested, but still very excited. Cause I know you're going to teach me yes. about it. Okay. Yes. There's, Here's the thing about this missing 411 is that it's a huge, I mean, there's books, there's conferences, there's journals. I mean, it's, it's big. Yeah. Um, and anyway, I'm just going to straight up tell you what it is. So, uh, missing 411 is a category of cases. It's basically, it's a colloquial classification for a kind of case a kind of a very specific kind of missing persons case. And this is dealing with the fact that hundreds, hundreds and hundreds of people go missing in our national parks under unusual, but these common circumstances. And in order to be classified as a 411 case, here are some of the things that you have to have. And this is a missing persons case. So the disappearance has to occur in a national park, rural area, or large reserve of public land. So all of these cases meet that one criteria for sure. Um, Odd circumstances surround the disappearance. I'll get more into what those are. Uh, Mental illness or voluntary disappearance is ruled out. That's not the cause. Uh, it usually happens around boulder fields or swamps. I know that's very specific, but it's one of the criteria. Uh, there is no scent trail or the scent trail just stops inexplicably. People, uh, people that are found typically suffer from memory loss. Uh, people are typically not alone when they disappear. So we're not typically talking about a hiker who's gone off on their own Mm -hmm. or is doing something, you know, without a group of people. Okay. These cases all occur within 52 identifiable clusters all over North America. They're all clustered in 52 specific areas. Who's got more than one area? Do you know that? Oh, it's the the East Coast, the um, the Appalachians okay. has the most, and right. then the Rockies have another. It's basically the huge swaths of national park that kind of all... Like, national park. They're but, like a quilt of national parks. Yes. Okay. Uh, and then people are typically missing items of clothing, a shoe, a sock, pants. Sometimes they're found completely naked. Okay. Things like that. The term 411 actually has its origins, very fittingly, in an inconspicuous computer term that refers to data that cannot be found or a corrupted link. Uh, That's just a little factoid. Where did 411 come from? Okay. 
Um, I got most of my information. Just going to shout them out here. <laughs> um, from Mysterious Universe, uh, the History Channel website mm-hmm. has a lot on this. Um, and I'll get a little bit more and, and just d- different Reddit <laughs> people have a lot of information on this as well. Okay. Reddit is a valuable source of information on this kind of stuff. Yeah. On this. And really anything, but. <laughs> right. Right. Okay. Um, so David Paul Lides, he's a former police officer detective, and he is the one who has com- come up with the 411 criteria, and he is the one that is chronicling this. He is the one who has been, I think, kind of sees himself as an information aggregate who's just trying to get it out to the people um and there are as many as ninety thousand people declared legally missing in america at any given time Mm -hmm. so but the 411 stories these are the they do have their own profile that is separate from that number so i'm not talking about ninety thousand missing people in the parks right but missing persons there's a lot of missing persons in our nation um, the vast majority of the 411 disappearances have occurred on clearly marked and popular hiking trails. In addition to that, this isn't like somebody who isn't used to hiking or going into nature took a wrong path. We're typically talking about people who are very familiar with the area. They're strong hikers. They're in populated common places Mm. it's not like i went to sedona and decided to have fun and disappeared i would not be a 411 case (laughs) all right okay um so one of the most interesting things about the 411 disappearances are the hot spots are those clusters where it's like this is where this happens so whether it's the terrain or something that is going on specifically in these areas there are concentrations they're very marked if we if i i do have a map as well somebody made a map i've looked at it did you do you have access to it i could probably pull it up for you quickly in a second okay um and show you uh the map now the map that i find the most persuasive is a map of these missing 411 cases in national parks and you can overlay it with a map of the cave system that goes underneath the nation and a lot of these hot spots are clustered under these cave systems i'm looking at it oh did you find it Mm -hmm. oh it came up really quickly yes okay so uh, yeah, yes, yes, wow. <laughs> Do you see what I'm talking about? Yeah, really. Okay, so, you know, whether that's real or it's, you know, I don't know. I don't know. It's just interesting. There it is. However you want to read that, okay. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> what's in the caves? What's in the caves? That's, that's we'll get there. Okay. Also, I, I mean, caves are just kind of treacherous anyway (laughs) right right well yeah uh that's definitely if you don't if you're not you don't go into caves uh even if you kind of know what you're doing right it just is probably not i might if you like caves i might be asking you to rethink your life right now right (laughs) like this episode might yeah (laughs) okay uh so the information i'm about to read i just got from an article uh by lachlan i love the name lachlan mcclellan uh, who Ooh. has been studying these historic mysteries uh, for quite some time. Anyway, I'm going to tell you about the Yosemite Cluster. Uh, okay. I have a couple stories about the Yosemite Cluster of cases. So in 1981, Stacy Ar- Ares, Ares? Uh, was a 14-year-old girl. She was on a horse riding trip with her father and several other friends in Yosemite National Park. It's beautiful. I wanted to visit until I started reading all this. Um, it was supposed to be a beautiful ride through Yosemite and it turned into a nightmare after they had arrived at the sunrise high Sierra camp. Stacy decided to take a walk after their, 
I mean, she already went walking on a horse. This is too much walking, Stacey. Um, they went on a walk with their horses. Then she decided to take a walk. She asked her father and another member of their group to go with her, but they said no. Uh, she said, okay, well, she's just going to go down to this nearby lake really close. She wanted to take some pictures, stretch her legs. Okay, fine. If you've been riding a horse all day, you might want to stretch your legs. Yeah. I'll give her that. Mm-hmm. The lake was so close. It was like within earshot. So like she wasn't going on a hike. Um, she was pretty close. Uh, and there's not a lot of in that area. You're not going to be really typically afraid of mountain lions or like big kind of predators in the area so nobody was worried about her going uh she went for her walk she was never seen again and after a thorough search of over nine days with over a hundred people search and rescue sniffer dogs helicopters the only thing they ever found was the lens cap of her camera this met the 411 criteria uh, because, again, it was this pretty... Well, wait, wasn't it supposed to be... Isn't one of the criteria that you're not alone when you disappear? She was so close to the camp okay, that, that it's not... considering it's, that a part of the... Yeah, right. like she didn't okay. have to hike through any woods to so get there. So she was still... As long as you're like... Close by, yeah. lots of people. However, she was alone when she... I mean, technically alone when she disappeared, right. but she wasn't even out of earshot right. of a large group right. so of if people. So some kind of nefarious thing had happened or if she had been attacked by some sort of creature, lake was dr- The lake it. was dragged. It, yeah. Yeah. But nothing. No noise. Nothing. Um, all right. Mystery Man, 1968. In early August, a man's body turned up in a crevice uh, located within Tenure Peak. This is not far from the same camp that Stacy was at and the lake where she disappeared. The man has never been identified, but analysis on his body was never able to determine a cause of death. However, there were obvious signs of blunt force trauma, multiple broken bones, and uh, but there was like nothing out like it, none of them would have resulted in his death. So no cause of death. We're never able to identify but who he was. He was he was in a, what did they call it? Yeah, I guess his body had washed up into a crevice. Oh, okay. But they weren't able to identify For some reason, I was imagining. I was right, like, well, he'd maybe fallen, he fall into- stuck. <laughs> yeah. But no, it was, he washed up into a crevice. They okay. were never able to identify what happened to him or who he was. A couple years later in 1976, uh, less than a mile away. No, sorry, a little bit more than a mile away from where the mystery man was found. 25-year-old Jeff Estes disappeared. Even after official search efforts, as well as the efforts of family and friends, not a shred was ever found. A couple years later, 1988, mid-July, slightly northeast from where they had found the mystery man 20 years earlier, Timothy Barnes vanished. Similar to the Jeff Estes case, even after lots and lots of search efforts, again, sniffer dogs, search and rescue, not a shred of evidence ever and in searched. in each one of these cases, there was someone with them or at least within like seeing yes. and seeing, hearing. hearing distance. So these four instances, they exemplify the strange anomaly within missing 411 cases of the hotspots because these all happened within a few square miles and they all just essentially... Well, except for the mystery man, those three disappeared without a trace. They were not alone. They were not unfamiliar with the area and nothing of them was ever found. And then with the, the body that was found, no, no, no cause of death was able to be determined. And these were all in such a small area that it qualified. In the, Stace, uh, I'm sorry, in the instance of Stacy, David Paulides, again, the guy who has been mm-hmm. trying to get this information out there, um, he filed a FOIA act, so a Freedom of Information mm-hmm. Act request to access the original case file, and he was denied and almost immediately contacted by a special agent from the National Park. This guy told Paulides in no uncertain terms that they would not release the file. He would not say why that was, and no one's ever heard back. So a little mysterious. Mm-hmm. Don't have an answer for that. Uh, Paul Ides, you know, he, like I, I think I mentioned earlier, he's a retired law enforcement officer and he has, he knows how that stuff works and more than I do. 
Um, and one of his complaints is that there is no centralized database for missing people. And many of these parks don't even document disappearances specifically for whatever reason that no one can really get an answer to. Um, instead, it, all of these missing persons go into a national missing persons registry, at least in the U.S. So the National Park Service has no like actual record, actual record of who's gone missing in their parks. Uh, and this protocol, like obviously just putting it into this national missing persons registry, uh, has drawbacks because disappearances in the wilderness are not the same as disappearances in the middle of the city. Um, because you know, if you are, if you're disappeared in a city and kidnapped and put in a car, you can be hundreds of miles away in a matter of hours. Whereas in the middle of the forest, that's you can only go so far. Not the case. Yeah. Um, well, and just like statistically, if statistically, if there are five other people mm-hmm. with you, right, or there are five hundred thousand people with you, right, there, you're certainly like if someone want if someone like you just if you were to die in that situation. Yes. When you're surrounded by 500,000 people, you don't walk off a trail and never are seen again. Right. <laughs> but when you're with five people, you're probably not going to get, you're not as likely to get like murdered or. Right. Yeah. Um, I have a story here of a little boy in July of 2015. His name was Dior Coons uh, in Leodore, Idaho. He went to a campground with his family and basically where this campground was, I mean, it's, well, it is by a boulder field. I should have mentioned all the other cases were also by boulder fields. Okay. I didn't know boulder fields were a thing. Yes. Until mm-hmm. I started reading about this. Um, so he You're went like, to. It doesn't really matter because I will never go to one I am now, never but... going to be near a boulder field <laughs> if it's up to me. Um, so they went to the Timber Creek Campground there in Leodore. Leodore? You know, it reads like Leodore, but then everybody that I was listening to said Leodore. Anyway. Somebody in Idaho is mad. Uh, <laughs> sorry, Idaho. Sorry, Idaho. Uh, so they went to the Timber Creek Campground, and there's one road in and there's one road out, and it's so rocky. This trail you drive, you drive it. It's only seven miles, but it takes forty five minutes okay. because you have to go so slow. There's really no other option. So, and basically the campground. I saw a picture of it. By campground, I mean like it's a field next to a creek and a boulder field and it's wide open and there's a fire pit and that's, that's the campground. Hmm. Um, it's, and then down by the creek, it's very swampy. And so anyway, the boy just disappears in broad daylight. Like the grandpa is sitting at the campground and the rest of the family is walking down to the creek and the boy started following the family and then the mom was like, do you want to come with us or do you want to stay with grandpa? He's only, I think he was around two. And he was like, no, I'm going to go back. I think they did this on Someone Knows Something. Really? Mm-hmm. So maybe. He's like, no, I'm going to stay with grandpa. And, but like, this is all happening in an open field. It's not like they'd gone, right. like, mom could see grandpa, mm-hmm. like, and the boys standing between them. And she's like, okay. And she turns around and goes to the creek and he turns around and goes back towards grandpa and is never seen again. And they searched and they searched and they could never find him. Um, They used infrared. They used helicopters. People crawled on their hands and knees through the creek, never found his body. um, And there were no red flags with the family. Now, not all stories end that way, though, because... In 1950, there's several of these, but the one that I brought with me is a case in 1958. This 10-year-old boy uh, was in Rocky Mountain National Park, right on the edge of it, at a place called Camp St. Malo. And he was very familiar with the area, lots and lots of people. They were all fishing. um, And he disappeared into thin air, kind of the type of thing where one of the camp counselors said to him, like, hey, dinner's ready. Let's go. They turn around, they start walking towards camp, which is downhill. Uh, very easy walk back to the camp. And he, the, by the count, the, like the counselor turned around to like say something and the boy was gone. So immediately they're dragging. A matter of seconds, basically. Se- seconds. Immediately they're dragging the area. They can't find him. They searched for nine days, hundreds of people. And then the, the following year, so because th- this happened during 
the summer. The following year, three counselors at the camp that had been a part of the search returned, and they had climbed up this really rocky, steep slope, and they found they found his remains. He was in a ravine that had been searched at least three times for him. Like this ravine had been dragged, mm-hmm. um, and well, and he had just been there a second, right? Before. And like- a- another question is how did he get up there because he was three miles uphill right from his last known location right. but it had been searched the year before mm-hmm. and again swampy area boulder fields that's why part of why it's categorized the way that it is okay um so i'm going to tell you one more story the story of ronald kirk this one was in 2012 he was a runner former marine he knew the Red Rock Canyon Calico Basin area well when he went missing in late January. He was an outdoorsman. He loved this area like this was his place. Um, when he told his friends, this is where I'm going, like no one was concerned. He went there all the time uh, and was never seen again. Search and rescue teams found him months later after an extensive search in a spot surrounded by the established trails that he knew like the back Mm -hmm. of his hand. So he definitely had not gotten lost. He was less than 200 meters from a route called Turtlehead Peak. And the authorities were like, this had to be an optical anomaly. That's what they called it because we searched this. This is a wide open popular trail. Like the body must have just blended in and somehow we didn't see it. But what makes that case especially strange is that the searchers had covered the area multiple times before they found the body. And they're, again, one of the common things with the bodies that they do find is that it lacks a definitive cause of death. And the authorities don't really have an explanation. How did you not see it? How did he die? Like, why? This is just a motif, something that keeps happening. So... Um, Another thing that happens that makes people go, what? Um, And the reason why this is a very popular conspiracy theory Mm -hmm. um, is that in a substantial number of these cases, the NPS, the National Park Service, will they will deny FOIA requests. They won't let anyone see the case files. Um, And a lot of times something that is notable here is that other governmental agencies will arrive and conduct their own investigations. So FBI have been sent in before, um, NPS, local authorities, the Green Berets in one case. Oh, that's interesting. Green Berets, special forces. (laughs) I mean, I guess Uh, if they consider it like advanced terrain, but you kind of said that they don't, it doesn't really... It doesn't happen really in like remote areas. It happens right. more in. Right. Um, so many of the instances occur Green near. Berets, huh? Green Brace. Yes. So many of these instances occur near bodies of water. Like I said, the granite, the boulders. Um, and there's these small degrees of separations. Uh, and so some people find it really interesting. Now. Another really interesting uh, theory behind all of this is that um, when the national the National Park Service was supposedly and reading the history on this was confusing mm-hmm. because supposedly Teddy Roosevelt founded the National Park Service. Uh-huh. You know, he was known for being an outdoorsman. He, conservationist. Conservationist, yep. big into the land, hunter, all these things. And he knew, I mean, he was the one uh, who established all these kinds of different places all over the country that we recognize as like, these are landmarks. Like mm-hmm. he was the one that decided that they were. He was the one who decided that like, for instance, here in Arizona, Montezuma's Castle, like mm-hmm. he was the one that said this is needs to be protected like federal mm-hmm. land. He went all over the country. The, gover- the government needs to own this and the taxpayers should pay for it. Yeah. He was the that's one what, that. That's what he decided. <laughs> that's what he decided. Oh, and also they can close it. So the taxpayers can't go inside of inside of their the land right. they paid for yes. but you know yes. and that can't legally be owned by the government but whatever. right right well the <laughs> the conspiracy theory if you don't hate 
the National Park Service yet. Just wait just until wait. you hear about the people. They disappeared. <laughs> right. Well, the conspiracy theory uh, is that in many of the air around many of the areas that he declared these are going to be protected by a governmental agency right. called the National Park Service um, have been str- around these areas is where strange disappearances and unexplained phenomenons have happened. And that essentially Teddy Roosevelt was such an outdoorsman that he knew about stuff that lives in our parks that right the general public shouldn't know mm-hmm. about. Come into contact with. Right. And the theory is that these apex predators, whatever they are, Mm -hmm. they live underground. And that's why these mysterious disappearances happen in these areas that are close to the cave system. And essentially, these people are being hunted. So in a lot of these cases, like the story I told you about Bobby from 1958, Mm -hmm. he was hard of hearing. A lot of the people who are picked off, essentially... Are they're picked off when they are they separate from their group mm-hmm. and they're more alone, uh, or they're the kinds of people who have some kind of uh, physical thing that makes them easy to pick okay. off. So people who are older, a lot of the people it's like older, younger, right? Um, or it's strong people that have been in the area a lot that are finally on their own mm-hmm. for a little bit, yeah. Um, so they're familiar with the area. They've been there before, but they're finally alone. They disappear without a trace. Um, and of course, it's a fun conspiracy theory, Mm -hmm. right? This idea that there's some monster out there that we've, we don't know anything about and it lives underground Mm -hmm. and whatever. Okay. So I was reading uh, people who are skeptical of this. I tried to read both right. sides. Yeah. Um, this guy, Kyle Polich, was writing, and he said, you know, he's looked into it quite a bit. And he, he was just asking the question that we should be asking, which is, like, could it just be that there's an underfunded, understaffed National Park Service and related police departments that lack the tools and ingenuity to determine an unidentified serial killer? Or just regular old disappearances. Mm -hmm. Like, here's a very, you know, this is not outside the realm of possibility. Mm -hmm. Um, But Paul Ides, the guy who's putting forward the missing 401 cases, he doesn't really go into that data set um, and leans more towards a supernatural conclusion. Uh, It's interesting. Here's what I would like to talk about. (laughs) I think there's some inter- I think there's some things to consider here. Um, one thing I came across quite a bit when I was watching people make kind of hysterical videos, yeah, about their experiences, mm-hmm. um, is that if you are from the Appalachians, mm-hmm. boy, you are really scared of the there's skin. A lot of like folklore. It's a lot of folklore, and a lot of it has to do with it, Native American folklore, mm-hmm. which yeah. I thought was super interesting. So there's two I want to briefly go over um the navajo have a mythology about the skinwalker what is a skinwalker they won't even say the word right and a lot of white people from the appalachians won't won't even say Mm -hmm. it because they firmly believe that this is a real thing and if you say it especially wendigo the well the wendigo is um not navajo oh okay the skinwalker is the navajo one the Wendigo is more towards I, our side of the country. Oh, really? Country. Okay. So this, the skinwalker, though, um, literally means by means of it, it goes on all fours. So the Pueblo people, the, sorry, the Pueblo, the Apache, and the Hopi also have their own legends involving the skinwalker. And es- essentially, this is, uh, you know, some traditions believe that the skinwalker came about, I thought this was really interesting, from a, be- a benevolent medicine man who abused indigenous magic. So we're talking pagan mm-hmm. pagan stuff happening here. Which can produce real results. Which can produce real results. Pretty much every Native American tribe has some sort of mythological humanoid creature 
that to me reads very demonic right. when you read about it. And since we know that they were heavily involved in pagan practices, this doesn't surprise me. Uh, and what I mean by that is when you use psychedelics and you go looking for spirits, I believe you'll find them. That shouldn't be news to you. It's also interesting that in all of these like mythological histories, you will come across UFO stories as well. Right. Which I think is another interesting connection mm-hmm. to the pagan practices. Yeah. But essentially, skinwalkers are humanoid. They want to kill you. They are very creepy looking. I'm going to save you the description. Yeah. They um, can disguise. They can disguise themselves mm-hmm. as they can produce human sounding voices mm-hmm. to maybe entice you towards them. This is not new. Then there's also the Wendigo. Essentially, essentially the same different uh, thread of mythology, but it's a ruthless and savage predator. It has heightened senses uh, that essentially can go for miles. Great hearing, sense of sight, smell. So impressive that it can track its prey and know where its movements are, even miles away. Um Although the Wendigo is always seeking to kill, enjoys taking its time. It often stalks its prey, um, which feeds into that theory of like that person who's come to the area a lot. They, yeah. they just haven't had a chance. Um, it's able to sense fear and paranoia. Okay. It's said that the final warning a Wendigo will give before striking is to unleash a blood curdling howl. And in a lot of these stories, when the people who talk about the disappearance, they'll say they hear like this kind of metal grating crashing sound before their friend disappeared. Mm. So that the, the mythology of the Wendigo feeds into that. Um, but by the time you've heard it, it's too late. So, Okay. What does this have to do? Like, why? So part of the reason that talking about missing 411 is difficult is because it, like most conspiracy theories, at the very important points of it, it's very vague. Right. Um, and very left open yeah. to interpretation. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and, you're, and it just depends on how specifically you want to promote certain details. Because there's plenty of details like... Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not like, I don't know how much of an everyday occurrence it is, but people, stuff happens to people in the woods. Right. They either didn't, they were unrealistic about like the physical challenges or they get turned around or they get dehydrated and they become like they can't... uh, you right. know, think clearly. Memory loss, hyp- hypothermia and memory loss and, go hand right. in hand. And stuff like, and it, it seems like you should be able to find them, but sometimes you just can't find people depending on how, if they fell or if it's remote or, right. you know, but it is, it's like there's enough little details mm-hmm. and oddities yeah. that yeah, it's enough that if you just focus on that, right, it is meaningful. Yeah. Well, and, um, there's this one a girl who talks about this stuff a lot and she claims t- she's been radicalized uh-huh. by a, an experience she had when she was hiking with her mom, I think back in 2014. And I remember when she first started posting stuff, she was like, it was very, it was disappointing. It was very clickbaity. It was like, tomorrow I'm going to reveal the photos she that will prove to you in you know right. in, this is conclusive evidence that there is a humanoid creature and you know the next day she posts pictures a uh, indentation in the ground of a kind of oddly shaped foot right and the, her 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 conclusive proof was that there was no arch in the foot mm-hmm. and i'm like listen i have a flat foot like <laughs> i know what that looks like now of course there were some other things about the images that she posted that were strange mm-hmm. that are difficult to explain, but they're not beyond the realm of possibility. Right. Here's why this is interesting to me though, is that either way you shake it, none of this actually, I think bothers me as a Christian. And here's what I mean by that. There's a guy 
who talks about this stuff a lot, he really talks about the National Park Service mm-hmm. conspiracy. That's really his thing. Of course, when I started looking at the National Park Service, it wasn't when I read about it online, it said that Woodrow Wilson invented it, not Teddy Roosevelt. Yeah, so I there's think, already yeah, there's weird crossover. there's already discrepancies there that I just don't even he, care. Teddy, to, I know that he had some some part hand of it, in it just because he was a part of that whole like cons- conservation, right? Like not just like pillaging the resources, he, right? Like, right. Well, this guy was making the point. He he argues, and you know the videos are fun enough if you want to take your thinking cap right. off for a second. Yeah. Um. But he he does argue that for the view that Teddy Roosevelt knew about this apex predator, didn't want to upset people, wanted to keep people safe, mm-hmm. and you know the people that go into the national parks and get slaughtered are essentially collateral damage is this guy's position. But he talks about as a, as a materialist, as someone who is not a Christian, he talks about how upsetting it would be for everybody who believes in the theory of evolution to explain how we got here to discover that there is some apex humanoid predator living underground. This would upset the whole theory and I just thought well ha 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 because I wouldn't be upset to find out that there's large creatures living underground that we don't know about and what I mean and you know a couple years ago I might have been a little more skeptical but what I mean by that is just simply the fact that we have not found everything there is to find I think in our in our no, I don't think I don't think it's an apex predator that knows how to come out from the cave system. Uh, like if it's an apex predator, it like an apex it's an apex predator that only eats once every not very often. 3 months like But you know, even if we have had for centuries the tales There's certainly stuff in the ocean. Well, that's what I'm saying is and we yeah, for centuries is, yeah. we have had tales of the giant squid that until 2014 had right. never been there was no photographic proof. Now again, photographs haven't been around that long, so there's that. But I think there are a lot of skeptical people prior to 2014 who are like, you know, we go deep enough into the ocean and take pictures of stuff that we would have seen a giant squid by now if they existed. And then back in 2014, one finally washes up on the coast of Japan. And we're all like, oh, oh, of course. Yeah, I knew the giant squid existed. Whereas, (laughs) uh, you know, we've been passing down these uh, sailors have been passing down folklore tales of this mysterious giant yeah. squid for centuries right. without any hard proof that one existed. Right. So I, I think in this information age, we think that the, the world feels smaller than it is. Mm-hmm. But we genuinely have not explored most of the ocean. Right. And there well, are... Or just the fact that someone could go missing in a forest near a relatively a trafficked spot just the earth is big it just means like the earth is big forest is big we are small and yeah yeah you know it really doesn't it does this 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 these stories present no theological problem to me from a naturalist perspective at all because i absolutely believe that god has created a very large world Mm -hmm. that we are not omnipotent of right I don't know everything that exists. We haven't seen everything that exists. And I think it's giant hubris to say that we have. So the idea that there might be something living in the caves that we don't know what it is. Like, yeah. I almost want to just say, duh. Now, I'm not saying... Here's what I'm not saying. You're not saying it's an apex predator that Teddy Roosevelt knew about. Definitely not saying that. (laughs) Definitely not saying that. But what I'm saying is it doesn't pose any theological threat to me to say that it's possible that there's an animal that lives in the cave system that we haven't, Mm -hmm. that we don't know anything about. Mm -hmm. Just like we just discovered the giant squid for sure, for real. Yeah. The other thing I will say is that demons are real. Mm-hmm. And in a lot of this folklore world that we're talking about, um, yes, I believe that it's very demonic. I don't believe that Christians need to chase down and study 
where the mythology of the Wendigo and the Skinwalker and all this stuff came from. But I do believe in the supernatural. I do believe that pagan practices will really will open a door Mm -hmm. to a spiritual realm that you should not open. I do know that these tribes that have this, have this mythology, um, were very much entrenched in pagan practices, often cannibalism, mm-hmm. really dark, really scary stuff. Mm-hmm. It doesn't surprise me that they might have been hanging out with something demonic. Right. Um, and that those stories are very real. So I don't need a conspiracy theory to convince me that there might be something supernatural right. going on. Yeah. Now, I also don't believe that... The forests are infested <laughs> with demonic creatures. Right. Um, but what I'm not saying is that you might never come across something like that. Mm-hmm. Like it's just out of the realm of possibility. Right. As a Christian, it is within the realm of pos- possibility to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't need to be some fa- fantastical explanation. Right. So whether this is something that can be explained by nature whether it's something that would have to be explained by the supernatural or whether this is just government ineptitude. Yeah. These missing 401 cases um, are strange. And I think it's okay to say we don't know what we don't know. Yeah. And we need to be careful not to be the kind of people that are like, I can't say If I say skinwalker, I'm going to conjure it. You know what I mean? Like, that is a... Well, and that's just... Do I have to point out... Probably. That if I can conjure... Like, where is the skinwalker? When I say Wendigo, like, where is he conjured to? Right. Is it my nearest national park? Because he's (laughs) nowhere near me right now. I feel like it's sort of... That's a a deep inefficiency (laughs) that I must address... (laughs) Um, yeah, Yeah. if if anything, (laughs) if anything, what, what reading and listening to these stories and, you know, there's, there's two popular documentaries Mm -hmm. that you can watch about it. And I did, uh, in, in reading and watching these stories, the biggest conclusion I can come to is that humans are still human Mm -hmm. and very inept we are also very capable. I mean, it was kind of like heartwarming in a way to read about the hundreds and hundreds of people who were willing to crawl along creek, freezing right. creek beds yeah. on their hands and knees yes, yeah. to find a missing child. Mm-hmm. It just struck me. It's like we don't you wouldn't do that for somebody's missing cat. Like right. we all inherently know that these human beings that have gone missing are supremely valuable right. and we don't treat them like animals. Um, and it is heartbreaking, but I mean, man, like I definitely don't want to trust any government agency <laughs> with anything because it, 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 it's, it's bad. It's bad. I'll just say that. It's would bad. Would you believe that Matthew and I have conversations about the national park service? <laughs> I would. Would you believe that at all? I was a little scared <laughs> to have this conversation because I was like, you know, this might be like that moment in parks and rec where Ron Swanson's in home Depot and somebody tries to talk to him and he's like, I know more than you. <laughs> And he just like walks away. I do not know more than you about this. <laughs> um, well, that's why I had to watch the documentaries to make sure that was right. <laughs> true. Um, so anyway, I think. But people want to believe. This is something that people want to believe in. I do think that's the lure. Yeah. I think sometimes of. Yes. Like evil. Yes. The devil. Yes. Like that people. Mm-hmm. You, you know them. You know the people that are obsessed with paranormal stuff and they're always experiencing things uh-huh whether it's suggestion or mm-hmm. it's an actual occurrence of something weird happening that mm-hmm. they construe to be something else or mm-hmm. whatever but people yeah people want they there, want it's to a, there's a strong pull right there's a strong pull and to it's because it. sometimes it really does happen but sometimes we're just we're s- suggestible and we don't know yeah what's going on well and I, sometimes I, we think we've seen like the full picture but we haven't yeah um and then i do i mean sure people have had i believe that people have mm-hmm. legitimate experiences right. if you will right i think people want what i mean this is what we want the hidden knowledge right right this goes yeah. back to the garden 
like there was knowledge that Adam and Eve were not given and that they were not to have. Right. And there was a pull towards that. Mm -hmm. And I think when you see these kinds of conspiracy theories, there is a strong pull towards having that hidden knowledge that, you know, you want it because you can't have it kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, not that all of it is. Obviously, we want to know what I was happened. I say, the things that I think I've experienced, like, I don't, I'm good. Yeah, like, I don't, <laughs> don't want to know. <laughs> right. Well, and I, I do. I was not feeling thrilled <laughs> during about those the whole thing. Of my life. Right. Right. And, and so, you know, anyway, my final thought is that as Christians, whether, you know, we find out in 10 years or 10,000 years, that there are large creatures live. We're going to discover more of God's creatures that we don't know about. Like that's a fact. We do not know everything. Um, but you, we can go forward in these situations, knowing that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. We don't have to go forward in fear. We don't have to be afraid of, you know, we need, when we go out in the wilderness, we need to be wise and have the proper respect and be humble yeah. for nature and whatever is out there. Bring a gun. And yeah, bring a gun. Bring, bring a gun. And, uh, <laughs> oh wait, I'm sorry. Unless you go into a na- national park service, mm. um, then well, certain ones, then you're I, not think allowed. Some of them, I think some of them you can, but yeah, some of them, they do not want you to, to do, do that. that. Well, you know, I don't necessarily blame them, but um, the point is, is that we don't have to live in fear of these things. Uh, we know that God is sovereign and whatever the explanation is, none of it threatens <laughs> um, anything that the Bible has said. And obviously, uh, let's hope that a lot of a lot more of these people are found if there is a serial killer. I mean, wow, let's hope that person is well, found. Well, and that's the thing is like, that's not even... Yeah, it could just, you know, people, people are murdered. Right. And it's usually by people they're with. But they know. Right. So like, right. <laughs> so a few, a few hundred people a year that go missing. Right. When they were just a part of a group. Sometimes that's the explanation right. too. Like, right. But no, it isn't. It's interesting for yeah. sure. Yeah. Just, just one of the one keep of head on little straight. M- mysteries. It's definitely, I mean, like a, it is. If it, if it were fiction, it would be fun. Right. Like, oh, you know, what's the animal out there? But it's like, this is real. Real people mm-hmm. are really spending their lives chasing this down. Right. And being fearful of it. And for whatever little nuggets of truth there might be, you know, as Christians, we need to make sure that we don't sensationalize things. Yeah. And be like captive to fear of it. Be sober minded. Yeah. Don't engage in pagan occult. Definitely practices. don't do that. Yeah, that's what's our hot tip for the week. Don't <laughs> practice witchcraft. Don't become obsessed with demonic things. <laughs> yeah, and that's... then wonder why you're experiencing weird demonic things. things. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, hey, you can leave us a voicemail. Next, our next shirt. <laughs> don't don't practice witchcraft. <laughs> you can leave us a voicemail. I'm sensing a Halloween line. <laughs> anti don't, don't practice the anti-halloween line <laughs> uh 470-465-0475 and we will see you all next week see ya